Today on Blue 58, the offensive line can be really tough to evaluate from the outside looking in, but keeping an eye on where this group is headed going into next season is a good start. So what kind of story does that tell? Let's talk about it. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the best Packers podcast that you are listening to right now. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I am happy to be with you here for another episode. We are, in fact, going to talk offensive line today. We're also going to talk specialists, that's kickers, punters, and long snappers. Two very different position groups and two tough ones to look at without breaking down copious amounts of film or in-depth punting and kicking technique. But I think we can talk a little bit about where these groups are headed as a whole. So let's dive right in, starting with the offensive line. As a whole, I don't have a lot of complaints with how the offensive line played in 2020. We've positioned thinking about the offensive line before as a sort of weak link proposition. Basically, just don't end up with one weak spot on the offensive line, one overly weak player, and you can probably get by. You can slide protections, you can give a little help from a tight end, and even if you have one weaker player on the offensive line, you can probably survive. But as we saw in week six against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and in the NFC Championship game against the Buccaneers, if you've got multiple weak points on your offensive line, suddenly things can turn bad for you in a hurry. Fortunately, I think heading into 21, the Packers are pretty well positioned to have another fairly strong offensive line with a little maneuvering and maybe a draft pick or two, they can restock again. Let's talk about the individuals who made up the Packers' offensive line in 2020. Starting with Elton Jenkins, we've been going by total snaps, and he led the offensive line in snaps with 1,037. In fact, he led the entire offense in snaps in 2020. Nobody played more snaps on offense than Elton Jenkins. The good for Jenkins in 2020 was basically everything. He does so many things well. He's a very good athlete. He's the absolute epitome of versatility. He can play any spot on the offensive line. I just have nothing but good things to say about him. At this point, he could probably punch me in the face and I'd thank him for it. I don't know if that's entirely correct. He's a pretty big guy. He could probably hit pretty hard, but I'd be willing to give him a shot. And he seems like a pretty nice guy, so if he hits me in the face, I probably deserved it. As far as bad stuff for Elton Jenkins, you're kind of nitpicking. And this is the point where I feel like we breeze through the good players on the Packers roster. But I think if if you're good, that's kind of the pass you get. You can sit down and say, uh, Devontae Adams dropped a couple passes. Maybe he's not so as willing to drop a shoulder and, and eke out a couple yards as he used to be. But still, when you're performing at a super high level... The difference between a 99% A and a 98% A, if we're talking about grades, is, well, it's just a question of percentage points, quite literally. I'm not here to split hairs that much. If you want to talk about things you, you can nitpick with Alton Jenkins, you could say his run blocking maybe not quite so good as his pass blocking, but it feels like saying the Mona Lisa's smile could be a little bit bigger. She could really, you know, really let us know how she's feeling. It's sort of half smile. I don't know if that's working for me. But really, Elton Jenkins 
is everything you could want from an offensive lineman. He does it all well, and he is still probably improving as a player. It's going to be interesting here in a couple of years when he comes up for a contract extension, how the Packers handle that and how he and his agent want to handle that too. Do you want to say, I'm just a guard and I want to be paid like a guard? Probably not because he's probably going to say the Packers view me as someone who can play tackle, so you should probably pay me as a tackle too. I don't think there's any question about Elton Jenkins getting to free agency, and we're still years away from that, but I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. How will he and his representation approach that very question? As far as the near-term future for Elton Jenkins, I don't think we're looking at a question of how good he's going to be, because I think he's basically where he's going to be as a player. It's just going to be slightly better versions of this from here on out. I think we're going to actually be entertaining questions this fall about where he's going to be playing on the offensive line, though. And shout out to Patrick in our Discord for asking about this. Shout out to Discord in general. If you want to join that, patreon.com slash thepowersweep. We will get you in the discussion there. Patrick asked if we could predict the starting lineup for the Packers offensive line next year. And this is as good a time to talk about that as any. Let's first start with the guys that we know are going to be back for next year of the guys that played this year. There's a few others who we'll talk about later on in the podcast that are also going to be back. But as far as people with, I think, a real chance to start, David Bakhtiari is going to be back with an asterisk because we don't know how quickly he'll come back with that knee injury. We've got Elton Jenkins. We've got Lucas Patrick. We've got Billy Turner. And we've got John Runyon. You can throw Yash Nyman in there if you want. You can throw Jake Hansen in there if you want. You can throw Ben Braden in there if you want. You can throw Simon Stepanak in there if you want. But really, the the big names on the offensive line to watch are Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Patrick, Turner, and Runyon. I think there's a really good chance your week one line is from left to right, Turner, Runyon, Jenkins or a draft pick at center, Lucas Patrick, and then Jenkins or a draft pick at right tackle. feel pretty confident in saying that. That, of course, is assuming that David Bakhtiari is not ready for the start of the season. And if you look at when he was injured late December to the start of the regular season, that would really be a quick return. Nine months is about the outer limit for how quickly guys can get back from that injury. And it just, I think, gets compounded when you are a 300-pound offensive lineman. If there's anybody who could do it, I think it would be David Bakhtiari. But when you look at his age, what they're going to need from him over the course of the season, what they stand to lose if he comes back too early, I don't think the Packers are going to rush it. I don't think Bakhtiari is going to rush it. So I'm assuming he's probably going to be on the pup list to start the season. That means he's out for the first six weeks or so. But when David Bakhtiari does eventually return, I think you slide Billy Turner over to right guard and have Elton Jenkins still out at right tackle. That gives you Bakhtiari, Runyon, draft pick maybe at center, Lucas Patrick, and Elton Jenkins. That's a pretty solid offensive line left to right, and I don't see a real weak link in that group. As far as Elton Jenkins goes, I think we're going to be asking, where does he have the most value? And in in these lineups, I've stuck him at tackle or center because I think that's where he is the most valuable. Tackle is obviously the most valuable position, but with the turnover the the Packers seem likely to have at center, he could be a real stabilizing force in the middle of that offensive line. 
I don't know if center is his best position, but in the short term, he may be the most valuable there. And if the Packers can draft, say, a swing tackle late in the first round, maybe you start Billy Turner at left tackle, start the rookie at the on the right side, and then just pop Elton Jenkins there into the middle. See how that rookie holds up on the right side of the offensive line and then put Turner at right guard when David Bakhtiari comes back. One thing is for sure about how the Packers have handled the offensive line in the Lafleur era. They're not afraid to move people around. It is not so much this guy's a left tackle, this guy's a left guard, this guy plays right guard. They just want five guys that can play and they'll figure out how to make it work with different configurations. Some are better than others. We saw that in 2020, but they will try some different things. And Elton Jenkins is going to be a key part of that because he can do so many things well. Lucas Patrick is next up on our offensive line countdown. He played 993 snaps in 2020. Not too shabby for an undrafted free agent, former undrafted free agent. The good for for Patrick is that I think he was absolutely maxed out this year. This was the full Lucas Patrick experience. The effort, the drive, the intensity, that kind of fight-starting sort of dude, the hockey enforcer sort of mentality, kind of the old T.J. Lang sort of attitude. That's what you get from Lucas Patrick. You know, the guy picking guys off piles, the, you you know, you don't do that to my quarterback sort of person. That's always been Lucas Patrick's game, and we kind of got that start to finish this year. Played a little bit of left guard, played a little bit of center, but mostly he was at right guard this year, and it's pretty solid for the balance of the season. The bad was that he seemed absolutely maxed out this year. The good Lucas Patrick that you got in 2020 was, I think, as good as it's ever going to get. And the margins of his game really showed when he was banged up a bit near the middle parts of the season. That's when you started to see some of his physical limitations a little bit. He really got pushed around by the Philadelphia Eagles. And look, that happens to a lot of people when you're dealing with a guy the size of Derek Brown, but it happened to Lucas Patrick. And it happened a couple other times over the course of the season. He does have some limitations as a player. There's a reason he was undrafted. Offensive linemen don't go undrafted if they if they don't have some limitations. Lucas Patrick does have some. I think you can buy with him as an offensive lineman on your line. But heading into 2021, I think I would be the happiest if Lucas Patrick was the top backup interior offensive lineman. Whether it's a draft pick or some other configuration on the offensive line, I think I would be most happy if Lucas Patrick could be like that super sub interior lineman. I think John Runyon has more upside. I think Lucas Patrick isn't really a center, and he gives up some size to both Ben Braden and Simon Stepanak just to look at guys that are already on the roster. And he certainly doesn't have the center pedigree that Jake Hansen does. I don't know if I want to bank of him on him I don't know if I want to bank on another year of him being a regular starter and just really being able to put that throttle all the way down again. There's already going to be some turnover on the offensive line. I don't know how confident you are at trying to get through that turnover with a guy like Lucas Patrick playing a big role in stabilizing the ship. I would prefer to get him in there for shorter bursts sort of as needed, not 900 snaps over the course of the year. Billy Turner is next up, 884 snaps for Mr. Turner. The good is that he showed real value at multiple positions. Start of the year, there was real talk about him being released. That was probably a little bit overblown, but he was good at guard. 
good at both tackle spots. The bad part for Turner is that he was only really good to the point, to a point. I think he, in 2020, really showed, from a roster construction standpoint, the need to really have one elite tackle. Because if you have none, you're in real trouble. If you if you have a, just a couple guys that are pretty good at your tackle spots, you're going to be in a bad way. Because if you've only got one weak spot on the outside, you can slide protections one way or another. It's easy to chip. But if you've got two weak tackles, or maybe we should say two vulnerable tackles, then you're going to have problems. And we saw that in the NFC Championship game. As far as 2021 goes for Billy Turner, I think it's depending on what you're going to ask from him. If you're counting on him to be your wire-to-wire starting left tackle, that's probably bad, but it's also probably not going to happen. If you're asking Billy Turner to be your start-to-finish starting right tackle or like your swing lineman, guard tackle on either side, kind of like the lesser version maybe of Alton Jenkins, I don't see any reason he couldn't be his quality starter again. Because if there's something that Billy Turner seems to be really good at, it seems like it's stepping in someplace on relatively short notice. He's versatile enough. He's got a good enough athletic skill set uh, that he can get by with that. And uh, that's, you know, that's what you really want uh, from from an offensive lineman like Billy Turner. Next up is David Bakhtiari. 758 snaps for David Bakhtiari. When he was healthy, he was everything that you come to expect from David Bakhtiari. The bad for 2020 David Bakhtiari is that he was only available for 12 games. I, I nearly said only healthy for 12 games, but let's say available for 12 games because there may have been some some stuff um, going on there as he returned from injury the first time that limited him a little bit. All in all, 2021 is looking to be a pretty big question mark for David Bakhtiari. His torn ACL probably ruined the Packers season down the stretch. I think if you're pointing to one thing that could have changed the outcome of the of the NFC Championship game, having another pass protector probably would have been one of them. He is a big question mark heading into next season. I'm not ruling out a week one return, but I wouldn't count on it either. Next up is Corey Lindsley. Played just a handful of snaps fewer than David Bakhtiari. He was injured. He was banged up a little bit as well, but ended up playing 734 snaps, just over 70% on the season. Like David Bakhtiari, when healthy, he was really good. Like David Bakhtiari, unfortunately, he wasn't healthy as often as you'd like. And there's been some accumulating injuries for Corey Lindsley over the past few years. He's played every game for the past three seasons, or the three seasons prior to 2020, I should say, but has had a few sort of nagging injuries, a couple concussions, a couple recurring back issues, and you start to wonder if the miles are adding up. And look, playing interior offensive line is a tough gig. You're going to get chewed up and spit out sooner or later. And if I'm the Packers, I'm thinking it's the sooner for Corey Lindsley. He's still probably going to get paid pretty well. I would think that somebody probably overpays a little bit, even in a uh, sort of depressed market for free agents this spring. He's going to get paid, and, and I hope he does. It seems like he deserves it, but I think it's going to be somewhere other than 
Green Bay. Rick Wagner, 610 snaps for the Packers in 2020. The good for Wagner is that he was a really nice swing tackle. He could be a, a spot starter, preferably on the right side. And in situations where he got to be the Packers' fifth best lineman, he was fine. The bad is, when you asked anything more of him than that, things fell apart pretty quickly. So usually when Billy, or Billy Turner, excuse me, when Rick Wagner was getting into the games, it was at right tackle, starting out at right tackle, playing a solid right tackle role. When he had to play on the left side or when there was any other movement on the offensive line, things seemed to get rough for him in a hurry. His first outing in relief of David Bakhtiari all but ensured he didn't get a second outing in relief of David Bakhtiari because if you recall, when David Bakhtiari was hurt against the Buccaneers, the Packers bumped him all the way over from right tackle to left tackle and it did not go well. For Rick Wagner, never got into the game at left tackle again. And then in the NFC Championship game, when the Packers were without David Bakhtiari again, well, the Buccaneers knew exactly where to find Rick Wagner. Thinking about him heading into this podcast, came up with the analogy of calling him kind of the Andy Dwyer of the offensive line, the office character. In a small role in your office space, he's just fine. But if you start asking too much of him, if you say, turn over your biggest client to him, he will say, I promise to you, I will screw this up. And he will not be lying because that's kind of how it went for Rick Wagner in 2020. Still, all in all, I think a good, solid free agent pickup for one year is just a shame that circumstances ended up bringing a brighter spotlight to him than, uh, than probably was expected. As far as 2021 goes, I don't know what's coming for him, but it's not going to be in Green Bay. Moving toward the bottom part of the Packers offensive line depth chart is John Runyon. 160 snaps for the rookie in 2020. As far as good stuff, I think we got a tantalizing glimpse of what he may be able to accomplish. He looks like the next iteration of the Packers' long-held take college tackles and convert them to guards practice, and early indications would be that it's looking pretty good. The bad, as far as Runyon goes is not really anything that was his fault. In 160 snaps, average of 10 a game, obviously it didn't come in every game, but that's how it works out. There wasn't much to go on there. And he kind of seems to me like the offensive line version of A.J. Dillon. Nice traits, seems like he can do some good stuff. You wonder why they didn't ask him to do a little bit more. Why did Lucas Patrick get every opportunity ahead of John Runyon? Why didn't they ever try John Runyon on the outside, say if they needed a right tackle at some point this season? Questions we will never have the answer to. As far as 2021 goes, I think given the turnover on the offensive line, I think he's looking like a probable starter. Left guard, right guard, who knows? I would love it if the Packers asked him to prove that he could not be a tackle. Because tackles, I think, have more value than guards. John Runyon has a successful college career behind him of playing tackle in a fairly big conference, why not? Ask him to be a tackle, see what he can do. If all you want from him is to play guard, I suppose that's fine. But let's see what he's really got. I would maybe try him out on the outside, just see what happens. 
You can always move him back inside. Lane Taylor is next on our list with 63 snaps in 2020. The good was that he battled all the way back from an arm injury in 2019 to really earn a starting role for the 2020 Packers. The bad is that he was injured and lost for the season in the very first game of 2020. And boy, can football be cruel sometimes. As far as 2021 goes, I think there is a non-zero chance he is back in Green Bay. Not a lot higher than zero. But if the Packers are looking for help on their interior offensive line, Lane Taylor is going to be almost a year removed from an ACL injury. You're not asking him to be great. You're just asking him to be better than the alternative. Given the relative lack, I think, of good offensive linemen league-wide, why not? If you like him as a known commodity, if you think he can get back to near where he was heading into 2020, take a look, see what happens. It's not like he's going to be all that expensive, which is unfortunate. But I suppose whatever happens for Lane Taylor, whether it's in Green Bay or elsewhere, I wish him the best because it was a good story, him coming back, him taking a pay cut to stay in Green Bay. And I hope he gets a chance to earn that money back. Wrapping up with the two guys who actually played in 2020, we have Yash Nyman and Ben Braden. Let's kind of take them together. Yash Nyman played 14 snaps. So as far as good and bad, really not enough to have anything here. 2021 for Nyman. I think it's put up or shut up time. And it, it, saying shut up, that's a pretty quiet shut up for a former undrafted free agent. He's got great physical tools. Let's see what he's got. A lack of preseason, he got to think, really hurts a guy like him in 2020 because he needs some game time reps. Regardless of position, he might be the best athlete on the Packers right now, which is saying a lot because they've got a lot of them. So he remains an intriguing prospect, but so far only a prospect. He needs some time, and we've got to really see what the Packers got. Same kind of goes for Ben Braden. Can't really say good or bad in 2020. Only four snaps this season. Keep him around, see what he's got. They liked him enough to sign him, give him a real training camp, and see what you got there. Two other guys we should talk about, three other guys we should talk about, Jake Hansen, Zach Johnson, and Simon Stepanak. Hansen and Stepanak were Packers draft picks. Stepanak's easy to knock out. He started the season and spent most of the season on the pup list. Uh, Came back towards the end of the season and started practicing a bit. Never really made a run at the active roster, but I expect that will happen for him in 2021. Jake Hansen, a very experienced college center. You kind of see where this is going. Played a lot in college. 49 starts at center. He already made that tackle to center switch. He was a tackle coming out of high school. Switched to center early at Oregon and played there kind of ever since. And you may have heard the Packers may be in need of a center here in the relatively near future. Maybe they try out the guy with a bunch of fairly high-level college experience in that role. Finally, Zach Johnson spent the entire season kicking around on the practice squad. Uh, Real big for a guard, played at North Dakota, so so small college ball, but 6'6", 315 pounds, that's real big. Regard, not a great athlete, but I think he's back for training camp because he's, uh, well, he's been in the system for a year. Might as well see what you got there, but I think he's going to get some competition and probably get bumped maybe by another tackle to guard prospect. That's the offensive line. Let's talk about specialists real quick. Then we've got a good question from a listener that I want to get to before we call it a podcast. 
Three specialists played wire-to-wire for the Packers in 2020. Mason Crosby, Hunter Bradley, and J.K. Scott. Crosby, no complaints here. Seemed to be showing some signs of age, but he's been dependable the last two seasons. No real reason to change here. You could save some cap space if you cut him and moved on. I think it's it's a question of uh, Crosby versus the alternative. How confident are you that you can get a kicker who is as good as Mason Crosby? I think uh, that would give me some pause if I was Brian Gutekunst looking to save a couple million dollars against the cap. How how easy is it to replace a guy like Mason Crosby anyway? Hunter Bradley seemed fairly inconsistent as a snapper as far as I can tell from the outside looking in. And look, I haven't gone back and looked at every snap from Hunter Bradley, but anecdotally, it did look a little bit inconsistent in 2020 at times. I have to think there will be some competition for him heading into 2021. J.K. Scott, very similar, inconsistent, and I don't know if in my life as a Packers fan, I have never seen more moments of abject panic from a punter than we saw from J.K. Scott in 2020, either as a holder, as a guy trying to make tackles on punt returns, just moments of sheer panic. And look, those are the two worst things that can happen to you as a holder and a punter. Bad snaps that you really can't do anything with, and being one-on-one in the open field with a former All-State, like, track star, who's got a full head of steam and is looking at you as the only thing between him and the end zone. That is the worst possible situation you could ever find yourself in, other than running around in the backfield trying to throw a pass to Mason Crosby, but that is an entirely different situation, I suppose. That has got to be the thing that keeps you up at night as a punter. Other than seeing the ball drop out of your hands as you're attempting to kick it, or the ball going over your head on a long snap, being that one guy who's got to make the tackle has to be your worst nightmare. And it came came to pass twice for J.K. Scott in 2020, and boy, did he not handle it particularly well. Maurice Drayton said in his introductory press conference that Scott and Bradley have their backs against the wall heading into 2021. I think that is entirely fair. Packers drafted J.K. Scott to be a consistent punter. He has not been that so far. It's worth keeping the name J.J. Molson in the back of your mind. This is not to say the Packers have a kicker controversy. This is not to say the Packers have an imminent potential kicker controversy. But the Packers kept him around a couple different times in 2020. They thought enough of him to have him in the building late in the season as a potential insurance policy for Mason Crosby in the event of injury or COVID or something like that. Don't forget that name. It's probably nothing, but it also might not be nothing. If the Packers decide they do need to make a change at kicker, he might be the guy that they call up. Let's conclude by answering this question from Carl via Discord. And again, Discord is one of the benefits you get if you choose to become a Patreon supporter of The Power Sweep. Patreon.com slash The Power Sweep. Any amount of money you donate gets you all of the benefits of being a patron. That includes access to our Discord server, bonus content, and a lifetime 25% discount at our Teespring store, among whatever other things I can think of as we continue to grow this operation here. So, plug the Patreon again, patreon.com slash thepowersweep. Join us on Discord. 
Carl asks via Discord, I'm curious about the kind of experience Yash Nyman and John Runyon got during last season, especially Nyman, with limited playing time, basically only special teams for Nyman, yet practicing every week, preparing for games, dressing, and standing on the sideline, mentally prepared them to jump in if anything would happen to a starter. How much of an advantage, if any, do they have over a rookie when the next season starts? I think it's a pretty sizable advantage with a bit of an asterisk. Generally speaking, I think just being on the roster, being in the building, going through that process that you mentioned every week puts them at a huge advantage. And you don't have to look too much farther as to what kind of advantage it is than the Packers roster itself. All season long, the only lineman who took snaps that had never been on an NFL roster before was John Running. He's the only one who came into the league as a rookie and took a snap on the offensive line for the Packers. Everybody else who played in any capacity for the Packers in 2020 had been on an NFL roster before 2020. Unless you're coming in as a high draft pick, you're probably going to need some seasoning on the offensive line. I'm firmly of the belief that offensive line is one of two or three positions in the NFL where it really pays to get some experience, where you really have to learn what it takes to get it done. Because by and large, for most of their careers, these guys have been the biggest, the strongest, the fastest people on the field. Never forget that offensive linemen are incredible athletes. And many of them have dominated to, the, to this point, all the way from high school through the NFL, through their arrival in the NFL, I should say, by generally just being bigger and stronger than anybody else. That's why they got recruited to the big colleges they went to. That's why they stood out enough in high school to get recruited. That's why they dominated in college football to the extent that they got drafted. But suddenly when you get to the NFL, you're going up against guys who all had kind of the same experience that you did. They were also all the biggest and strongest and fastest. And suddenly they are trying to make your life miserable. That takes some time to get used to. You've got to learn how to process. You've got to learn what you can get away with in the NFL that maybe you couldn't get away with in college. And unless you're one of those high draft picks, those super elite talents, you're probably going to need some time to get used to that. So that's why I'm encouraged, even if Yash Nyman and John Runyon didn't play all that much in 2020, I'm encouraged about their prospects for 2021. In Nyman's case particularly, it's time to to really put what you've been learning into action. But a year of seasoning is never a bad thing. And that's why it was so good that Simon Stepanak could get back to practicing down the stretch in 2020. Just that little bit of full-speed practice will help him adjust heading into 2021. Offensive line takes time. And getting these guys' time is going to be crucially important, especially as we're looking potentially as an, at another all-digital, all-virtual offseason. And who knows what training camp is going to look like this year, though I would assume there are going to be preseason games. You never know. Getting that time, getting those reps is hugely important. And it can't hurt at all for guys like Nyman and Runyon to get a few. So I've got for you on this episode. I appreciate you listening in, and I would appreciate it even more if you would go ahead and share this episode with someone you think would benefit from hearing it. That's the number one thing that helps us grow this show, and uh, we appreciate anybody who takes the time to do that. As always, 
sharing, helping other people discover it, and continuing to interact with me, with each other, wherever you happen to do, the, to do that is the best thing we can do to continue this conversation around the Packers and ultimately help everybody become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.